You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 701 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. I'm recording this on Monday evening, only a few hours after recording episode 700, uh, but you're probably hearing it on Tuesday at some point in time. And joining me as often, one of the more frequent guests of the podcast, I believe it's senior writer and deputy editor of Dime and Upper Rock Sports. Hello, Robbie Calland. Hello, friends. How are you? I'm okay. Welcome. There you go. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here. Yes. Uh, we spent last weekend together, so we've talked a lot about sure basketball did. recently. Um, but I know you were dialed in on the Hawks today on, on Monday afternoon, and I, f- I felt like it was time for a, a catch-up of sorts yeah, with you. Um, ideally, I would have liked to have you for episode 700, but with the way the uh, the calendar landed, I kind of had to do a standard recap podcast with Chandler Parsons stuff and game recap stuff. So here we are, just a few, yes, just a few hours later. Um well, before we move off of the game, I suppose, on Monday, this, this will be heard before the Hawks play again, I want to get your general thoughts on the game that we both watched on Monday. It was pretty, it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, sure was. The Hawks, the Hawks get down 21 <laughs> with 4.30 to go and almost come back and win, like down, down two with 35 seconds to go. Um, what, what did you make of everything that you saw on Monday? Because there was obviously quite a bit of uh, highs and lows to that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt like a bit of a microcosm of the season for the Hawks. You had a pretty spectacular trade performance with season high for assists with 15, 42 points doing his thing. I mean, he third quarter wasn't the best for really anybody on the Hawks towards the end of the third quarter. Big fourth quarter, big first half. I mean, he looked great. He made some ridiculous passes in traffic. I think that's the thing that I continue to be the most impressed by is like, I think one of the questions that a lot of us had when he was coming into the league was like, okay, you get into the NBA, things get a little tighter. Everybody's a little bigger. Like when he gets into those tight spaces, is he still going to be able to be as effective? Uh, And this year, I think the finishing is a little better, but he he is able to kind of like, do those little drop-off passes and kind of slip it through there uh, in a way you don't see really often. He had a couple early to Bruno that were really good. He had a couple to, to John Collins later in the game. Uh, just in those those tight areas right around the restricted area where it's hard to get the ball to a guy cleanly. Um, and, and him being able to do that was uh, continues to be impressive, and, and he kept doing that. And then you had the, you had the typical Hawks defensive effort um, <laughs> that was – Highs and lows. You know, highs and lows all over the place. I mean, you had a pretty disastrous first quarter. Yep. And then second quarter was much better. Just from an effort perspective, third quarter, much of it, they looked pretty good. Raptors missed a ton of threes, but that's, I mean, that's a team that you want to force to shoot threes. Like, it's not, not all like everybody goes ice cold nights are the same. Like, it's a little different if, you know, 40% shooters just missing wide open threes, or if you're forcing Rondé Hollis Jefferson to take threes, you know, like it, there, there's levels of that. And I think the Hawks did a better job kind of that middle half of the game, forcing the right guys in the threes. Uh, Abaka took a bunch. Fred Van Vliet was taking kind of outer rhythm stuff. Like they were forcing better shots and then the Raptors were missing them. So that's always a nice combination. Uh, 
And then and then things regressed to the mean on both ends. The Hawks stopped making their shots. Raptors caught fire. Norm just the Norm Powell game. Sure, he's been great lately. Was that four straight twenty point games for him? Yeah, Norm is uh, Norm was ridiculous in this game. And obviously, you know, even LP said after the game, they just after he made the second one in that stretch where he made four in a row in about two or three minutes, like that yeah. was uh, after the second one. I think Lloyd referred to it as like an like a fire drill or an emergency, something like that. And they he was not happy with the way that they defended him after that. Just kind yeah. of like make him do anything but catch and shoot. And <laughs> right. They were all catch and shoots too, which is what is brutal about that from a defensive standpoint because none right. of them. I mean, I think one of them was wide open. The rest of them were like decently covered, but you just oh. cannot let a guy who's cooking like that take catch right. and shoot jumpers when he doesn't yeah, his last one his yeah. last one at the top of the key was just like somebody get out there and then i mean abaka made two in that run too and you know you have to kind of right. let abaka shoot but for sure at the same time like the, the defense was i don't know after the first quarter i thought the defense was actually pretty good even in yeah the no fourth, it came back the first the first quarter was a layup line it was bad like it, it was, was it was it was truly horrendous but it, <laughs> like like yeah like it, it improved i mean like the raptors started hitting shots like yeah, it was they, one of those, it was one of those things where when they go to the half only up three and the Raptors were four of twenty four from three, you kind of were like, uh, like they're gonna make some of those. Yeah, I, like, I honestly didn't. I think I had in my notes even I didn't feel great about the Hawks being up only three at the half with how the first half yeah. went. No, granted, I mean Atlanta had some issues too. Sure, that, that they could that they actually ended up did um, they actually did fix after halftime. But you know, I, I think the five point margin. I guess it's probably was probably indicative. You know, the Hawks basically were terrible for two stretches in this game. There was one stretch of the first quarter, and then there was a stretch where they just got bludgeoned by Norm and Serge Ibaka. And the rest of the game, they were honestly fine. I mean, there was a third quarter stretch without Trey that was just difficult to watch. But yeah. on the scoreboard, it actually didn't kill them as bad as you might have thought. Like even watching the game, that quarter took so long that it felt like it, 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 that it was just never. The game end. took so long. I mean, that that's true too, but. It was it was just so much Damian Jones and so much of these lineups <laughs> that were so brutal in the third quarter that it felt worse than it actually was. Right. And the Hawks lost lost the, fourth, the third quarter by four points. Like that didn't feel indicative. I don't know. I mm-hmm. think the Hawks played reasonably well. They had a chance to win. It didn't. I mean, <laughs> down twenty one, you would have thought they would they didn't have a chance to win. But on the whole, if that run just happens earlier, it would have felt more like in line with the way that, they, that the game actually went because the Hawks were pretty competitive for like forty two yeah. minutes. Yeah, the uh, I don't think I've ever seen the NBA team melt down against the press the way the Raptors did. Yeah, I mean, shouts to the Hawks for executing it in the way they did. Yeah, but Toronto maybe, just felt maybe, maybe we should dust the press off a little more. People were asking. I was funny. I mean, typical. <laughs> I think they were right. serious. Over, it's an overreaction. Typ- typical uh, stuff in my mentions. Like, why don't the Hawks press more? And I was like, well, it doesn't, you it doesn't usually work like that. Right. Like that in the right. NBA. Like, especially, I mean, they did. They didn't have anybody that could dribble on the floor. Just that's ask, why. Just it ask, worked, ask, like, ask Rick Pitino about how about pressing <laughs> a lot in the NBA. It doesn't really work very much. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like the reason it worked against the Raptors is because Van Vliet and Lowry were off the floor, so you have like Norm, who's like. Catch and shoot guy, but like when he's your best bet to break the press off the bounce and like just guys like throwing jump passes everywhere. And then I think they were all in their heads because Siakam had a bad throwaway at one point. And it was, I'm like, just the collective unit started to just fall apart. They had one, somebody threw it like away from like the inbounds pass. Like they didn't even get it. I've never quite seen anything like that, but well, like the one, the one to Trey at the very end when Trey yeah. had the layup and then stole the inbounds pass, yeah, and it was like, 
where's that path supposed to be going? I don't like, know. <laughs> they, just, they just totally melted and it down. Wasn't and it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like close to the five second call. It was like two seconds in, he was just like falling over the line. Like he thought he was just going to be able to walk it in. No, the Hawks, the Hawks took advantage and they should so. be credited for that. But yeah, yeah there, no there was a lot of help from, from Toronto in that, in that comeback. Boy, that was, Cause I mean, it has to be, if you're down 21 with four and a half minutes. To yeah. Go, I mean, you need to, you, you need have to have help. help. It's just yes. what happens you unless know. you have the all time shooting display of all shooting displays, but the Raptors obliged. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it got Weird interesting. Game. Hawks covered. They, they did cover. Shouts to anyone who had that and was probably, <laughs> it was probably the wrong side, but you came back and got there at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't have to do too much on this on the game sure. itself, but it was, like you said, it was a, a lot of microcosm stuff. I thought mm. that, that guys who matter played pretty well, other than Kevin Herter, who had one nice flash when he was shooting the ball well. Herter in the, opened the second quarter well. He was disastrous in the first. And wasn't very good in the second half. He had and foul then, trouble, yeah. and even, Pierce said that as well. Like Man, he kind foul, of foul trouble was bad. For really everybody. Foul trouble got everybody. Yeah, John I mean, and... even at the end of the game, um, basically the core six, if you want to throw Bruno in there, um, all had three-plus fouls. Collins and Hunter both fouled out. Bruno had five, and Bruno had five with eight minutes to go Early. in the third. Bruno, so, if, when, when Len's out, Bruno can't pick up some of those fouls. No, and up. that, honestly, if you want to be – I was trying to be a little bit kinder. People were upset that I even tried to, to sort of uh, dress it up a little bit. Um, having to play Damian Jones 17 minutes in this game not great. not conducive to winning this basketball game. Um, it was not all him. I mean, I, I, even just saying that, I felt like I'm trying to let him off the hook a little bit, but he was he was very bad in this game. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, Bruno – it's not that Bruno – is ready to be awesome at this point, but he was pretty good in this game, and he's sure. he's notably better than Damian Jones. Yeah, so. functional. That's that's what you want. I mean, but and like I, I yeah. have a note by the way. I want to see how you feel about yeah, this. Please. Uh, the Hawks played a ten man rotation in this game. I know uh, the, number eleven was Brandon Goodwin, so basically ten because Goodwin played mm-hmm. Goodwin played two minutes. I have it written down. Basically, the Hawks have like seven total rotation players. Uh, available at this moment without Alex Len and Jamari Parker. It's like they have the starting five. They're all they're all rotation players. Uh, I would say Jeff Teague is a rotation player. That gets mm. you to six. And then like maybe a couple halves between Bruno and Vince and Bembry. And you mm. get to like seven and a half rotation players. Right. And they, and they play ten. And that's that's tough. It's not, not ideal. Um yeah, I mean I was kind of surprised with how little Teague played. Like, I, I, I'm sure part of that is just trying to like get him acclimated to what they're trying to do. But like, you, you need somebody else that can handle the ball. And I've, I was, I was just a little surprised at how sparse his minutes were compared to like more Bembry minutes. Yeah, I, I do think it was where people were asking me to, and in the second quarter, he didn't. Really, he, got, he kind of got skipped in the rotation, and they went without point guard for a while. And I was right. surprised by that. Um, right, he did have two fouls pretty early, which could have forced him out in the first quarter. But I, that doesn't really explain why he didn't play much in the second. Yeah. So it was curious. I'm not sure if Lloyd saw something in the matchup, or if he just didn't mm-hmm. like what he saw from Teague in the, in the first stint, or what happened there. I but mean, he I'm, wasn't like Teague wasn't like great. No, um, I mean and, by any stretch. But at the same time, like it was it was I don't surprising. Know, like, what, what it was one of those kind of like. Okay, like this is this, like I think Hollinger had a tweet. He was like, "Isn't the point of <laughs> yeah, bringing Jeff in that we don't have to have trayless non-point guard minutes?" Yeah, for the Cam, Hawks? Cam, like, Cam had just dribbled into a <laughs> steal and layup in the backcourt, and that prompted, and then another. I was sitting next to John Hollinger today. It was yeah. pretty funny. We had a, we had a good time. Um, but yeah, it was interesting 
to be yeah. sure. We'll see if, I mean, I do want to say, you know, the Hawks haven't had a practice with Jeff Teague yet, and that does matter right. too. So maybe Lloyd wanted to put something in. Yeah, that yeah, they didn't yeah no, know. I, I, I'm sure there's, there's real, but even, even with that, like, with what you're talking about, where you just don't have rotation dudes, like sometimes you just got to be like, just Jeff, you're smart. You're a veteran. You know how to get guys in position, even if you don't know exactly what we're doing. And yeah. like, let's, I mean, let's be honest. Like, I mean, <laughs> Pierce the deep, has, the deep, knowing the defensive system right now with the Hawks is like, right. I mean, Pierce, just place, just, just try to be in front of somebody. Like he's not going to know all this, all the pick and roll calls, but like, no, that doesn't matter when you're a guard for the Hawks because you don't get through screens anyway. So P- Pierce's uh, Pierce did say, you know, Jeff is the kind of player that you don't need a ton of practice on because he does. He just knows how to play. He's a vet. Yeah. He knows how to run pick and roll and just kind of be out there. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, that was not a big topic after the game, considering how crazy the game was. Teague was way yeah. on the list. So I actually don't know if I don't, I don't think he was asked about it that I can recall. So we'll see if he plays more on Wednesday when the Clippers come to town. That'll be interesting. Um, right. I think we'll see probably more than 11 minutes on the whole from Jeff on an average. So I don't know. Uh, I, while we're here, I want to ask yeah. about Jeff Teague because you were around when Jeff Teague was around the first time. And, uh, That's right. I kind of looked around the media room the other night when uh, <laughs> Jeff's intro press conference was happening, and there were only a few faces that were around when Jeff was actually in town. So right. um, I haven't done a whole lot of reminiscing on this podcast about Jeff, but it was it was truly bizarre. I texted you um, kind of after it, and just Jeff was like really kind of just – Evervescent. He was really happy to be there, and it was it was just kind of a weird thing. It was cool to see Jeff back, having covered him when I was very young and doing this. Um, but I mean, what'd you make of Jeff Teague just kind of being back in Atlanta? Because it's been it's been a while, but also it kind of feels right. It's it's kind of funny because like my running joke all year, whenever trade rumors come up, is bring somebody home. You know, it's like <laughs> go get go get Al. You know, sign Joe. Like, where's Joe's, Joe's where's, available? Where's Josh? Like, also go available. Get, go, yeah, go bring somebody. Else. And they actually did with Jeff, um, who I think is the only one I, I didn't make a joke about because I was like, I mean, they have Trey, but like it made it made sense. Like from a basketball, for the reasons we talked about being surprised he wasn't on the floor. Like they need someone to take those minutes. Like that's a thing they need. Uh, is and and Jeff is was clearly not part of the plan in Minnesota going forward. And, and I think, I mean, this has been two years that we've been hearing about, you know, replacing Teague and um, he had the injury last year that, that kind of hurt that whole situation. But um, no, it was funny. Like, you know, I, I, I grew up in the business kind of right along when Jeff started starting. Um, So like, I, I kind of followed, followed him through you know that last like five or six years he was here and uh yeah I was like Jeff and and like you said it, it is kind of funny when he, he when he has those rare uh rare moments where he's talkative because like the whole thing with Jeff has always been like he's pretty quiet reserved guy especially with the media especially talking about basketball um he'd much rather talk video games he'd much rather talk WWE um you know, whatever's going like the bet, the best conversations I usually had with him were like Mondays after a pay-per-view. Cause I could, <laughs> you know, like Monday at practice and there's a pay-per-view the night before it's like, Jeff what thoughts on the Royal rumble, Jeff, you know? And he, he, he'd give me five minutes on the Royal rumble. And then I would, then, then he would open up and I'd get some hoops talk. But, uh, 
there's that. And then it, it's kind of funny you, you mentioned like him coming back and him seeming really excited to just be back in Atlanta. The only time I ever really saw him like that uh, was after he signed his uh, his first post-rookie deal. Uh, in Vegas, he came up and like gave me a hug and I was like, uh, okay, not usually you, Jeff, but sure. He said, he said, he suddenly had a lot more money, which is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you, when you for 32, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was back when, when a, the year was, that was good money. Both, uh, both Jeff and Josh had some, uh, restricted free agency, uh, I would say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was, it was, it was fun to watch their restricted free agency. Consternation. Yes. Uh, Shouts to Larry the, Drew and the Milwaukee Bucks for giving Jeff that, that contract. By the way, sure the did. I remember talking with uh, talking with Wes about that, and he was like, "I mean, we kind of had to explain to Jeff how restricted free agency works and why we weren't going to give him like the first offer because like guys don't realize that. Like guys don't realize, you know, if you're not an extension dude." The team's until late is never going to be the one to give you the offer. The team is not incentivized to no. bid against itself, at the especially because the Hawks had recently done that with Marvin and bid against themselves. Five for forty-five, yeah, something like 545, that. Five forty-five, I believe. They had recently, recently done that. It was Danny and Wes in their like first year, I think, first full summer at the helm, I believe, and. uh yeah, they weren't going to bid against themselves, man. Uh, and, and Jeff did not know that. Josh had a similar thing. I remember they offered Josh the year before he took three for 39 in Detroit. They offered him three for 39 and he turned it down. Um, which, would have, which would have been really interesting now that you look back on what happened after Josh left with getting Millsap and kind of taking that next step. Yeah, kind of funny to think like had he – had he taken that where the Hawks would have been, um, but yeah, no, I you know my favorite my favorite Jeff story is the Joe Johnson. I think I've probably told it three times on this podcast, but I'm always happy to do it again when uh, when he got asked where he was when Joe Johnson got traded, and he said, "I got a text from Joe. I was in Joe's house, and like they were just in different rooms and." Joe was like, yo, I got traded via text rather than walking over, which is perfect. Joe Jeff, because Jeff used to live at Joe's house. And um, when asked, like, why Joe didn't come, like, find him, he was like, Joe's got a big house. <laughs> Just an all-time But plain and simple, one of my favorite quotes I've ever seen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's it's cool to see Jeff back. He seems really happy. That's always Always nice when when the guy gets traded, especially like a veteran guy to like a not great team. Um, the fact that he gets kind of come home um, and be in a situation where you know I think he's going I think he's going to get more burned than eleven minutes yeah. a night, and he's going to you know just kind of have a chance to kind of reassess his or reassert his value and and figure out his role. And um, I will say this, you know, Jeff. Jeff knows what it's like to have a crappy veteran in front of you um, as far as not wanting to help because he sat behind Mike Bibby, who famously was like, that's not my job. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't want to help. That was not, was not in the business not of, of assisting Jeff, not, not, not how Mike went about things. And, um, and Jeff was, you know, 
pretty positive about, you know, helping Dennis, even though that was kind of a similar weird situation where Jeff's still a starter and Dennis is coming up and, but he was always pretty good with Dennis. And, and now, especially knowing that role and knowing like, okay, I'm coming into this place where Trey's the guy I'm, I'm interested to see kind of if that dynamic in that relationship can, can help Trey in some things. Cause there are some, some crafty things that Jeff just has as a veteran point guard that he can impart uh, things that, that Trey really hasn't had somebody to, to, to teach him those things. Cause he hasn't, you know, Jeremy Lin was around for half a year as a veteran point guard, but he's never had like a, like starting caliber point guard around to kind of help teach him some of those things. Maybe some of those, you know, things about, you know, Jeff can, can hopefully help him with some, some defensive things about positioning and just kind of where to be. And then, uh, you know, just Jeff is really good at using tempo. He always has been when he's been on is he was always super fast. Uh, but he was always good at, at, at pedaling it down and using that to his advantage. And, uh, you know, Trey doesn't have the the best burst, but that's something he's already good at is using that tempo, uh, you know, quick first step, get in the lane and then kind of use his body and, and, and just good at that. So I think he can even help him further with that. And um, yeah, I mean, it seemed like a really zero downside move for the Hawks. Like it, I, I still want to know what the hell the, the Wolves are going to do because this can't be it. Like you can't be like, yeah, Alan Crabb's the guy we want. We'll bring him in. Like, there's got to be another move coming, and I'm interested to see that from their perspective. But from the Hawks, this was kind of a, a low risk, medium reward deal. And you like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's zero. Not, it's, it's, I would, I would yeah. say zero risk, honestly. I mean, yeah, there's, there's no risk, and like, the reward could be a competent, you know, point guard to help with the second unit and a guy that, like I said, can can help Trey with some things and just be a veteran voice they haven't had at that particular position. Um, and yeah, and, and I mean, it also can probably help Trey with some minutes things, you know, you, you would hope you can not completely die in the non-Trey minutes, which we'll have to find out if that's the case. But, um, that would be the hope is you don't have to play and put as many miles on Trey in a year where you're not, not going anywhere. Yeah. I, you know, Jeff's saying all the right things and. Um, you know, Lloyd kind of made fun of the fact that Jeff said all the right things because uh, yes. guys always do. But I, I, I do believe Jeff and Lloyd's, Lloyd said the same thing. Like Jeff is not someone who's going to be able to come in and fake like he's happy if he's not. That's not that would not be Jeff Teague. I think he's actually no. I think he's actually happy to be here. Um, yeah. You know, people are going to laugh at him helping Trey, but I, I totally agree with you. Like. Obviously, Trey's a lot better than Jeff, but yeah. Jeff can still be just been around for a decade, and he's got some stuff, I'm sure. And Trey even said that immediately. His first interview, he was basically like, "Yeah, Jeff, can, I'm sure can show me some stuff that I don't know." So there's that. There's just having better point guard minutes. There's the potential. I think it might be a little bit overrated, but there is definitely a chance that the Hawks want to and can re-sign Jeff. And sure. particularly if Jeff doesn't have a market, that's the thing with Teague, where. Um, I'm not sure how many teams are clamoring to sign Teague to a starter level contract at this point. Right. It might it might exist out there for him, but if it doesn't, if you're Teague and you've made some money in your career, you've probably made you know eighty ninety million dollars. Um, like there's there there would be a reason to take maybe a little bit less, maybe an appropriate amount still, um, to stick mm-hmm. around and be in Atlanta and be here. And apparently, I mean, the Hawks can do a you know like a two year deal. Yeah, I mean, or something that like there's there's some value like and like and then also like and then if Teague looks really good, then maybe you have somebody you could move on like a expiring, you know, contenders like to, you know, find a point guard and if he shoots well, 
you, there might be some value there if you sign into a couple year deal where he, you know, the year after there's an expire. I mean, like, I think with the cap space they have, I'm with you. I think there's there's a short term deal that you know you make the money work um, at a level, and and he kind of hangs around and plays 20 minutes a game. Yep, and uh, we'll see. If, how, it it kind of all depends on how this works. If it doesn't work necessarily on the court, sure. you're not going to want to do that. But of course. Uh, there's still time. There's evaluation period, and I'm just happy to have Teague around. I'm not someone who gets into that stuff very often, but. Uh, Having, I feel like you were the perfect person to talk to discuss this with. Yeah. But uh, we we both covered him when he was here the first time, and I just kind of enjoy Jeff Teague. He's not fantastic. He's, he's just no, he's, he's not like the world's and, best interview. He's yeah. not the world's best basketball player, but he's like, he's a nice dude. And like, yeah, he's kind of fun to be around. <laughs> Jeff got big Jeff. Guy. I mean, like, and also like it's it's it'll be nice for me because like I used to last time I came back and like was in the locker room like. I was like, man, I like, I did a preseason game at MSG, and I was like, I don't know anyone in here other than John Collins, no, because I've done some stuff with him at All Star. The only but bridge like, before, and this this year particularly, uh, like I know Rathbun. So yeah, shout to Bob. <laughs> shout to Bob Rathbun, and, <laughs> and, and who's, Steve. Par- who's probably listening to this podcast right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know Bob and like Bob and Steve are the people I talk to in the locker room now. Um, like, but yeah, are, but I, like, it, this year especially. I had that realization early, and obviously I I've, I know everybody that's around now and have sure. been around all the, all the way. But um, for me, it was when Baysmore left. He was kind of the, <laughs> he was kind of the one crossover right. to the era before. Uh, and when he's not here anymore, it's like oh, this is just totally guys who, you know, because when I first started doing this, and I know you know this, like it was we were closer to being fans than we are now. And um, yeah, it's just weird, like. All these guys are just so. Plus, they're also young. Other than Vince, Vince is the only guy who's just not incredibly <laughs> right. young. Uh, and Vince is an whole other, whole other thing we talk about later. Because um, inter- still interviewing Vince is bizarre. Because Vince is a hall of sure. famer and he's forty-two years old, and it's just weird. Um, but everybody else, it's like, oh, all right, this is just kind of what we what we do now. There's not really that bridge <laughs> to the old uh, to the old guard um, of the guys that we covered for so long. So, anyway, the, are- the arena's different. Like le- last time I came back, I was like lost. That, that's what Jeff said. Jeff in, in his in his pre uh, his his pre <laughs> his pre, his pre, his pre uh, press conference, he basically said, you know, nothing is the same from when I left the first time. <laughs> he was talking about how they used to practice it, and I, I believe he called it the dungeon. Um, that's correct. Where they, where they practiced in the arena. That's correct. And um, also with Maybe with maybe maybe the world's worst weight room. He didn't say that, but I would agree with you on that. For an for for an NBA team, it, it was, was just like not, ups, not it was just upstairs. Yeah, uh, with like it looked it looked like well, famously it looked like a high school gym. Famously, we would be in there for for playoff for playoff press conferences, and that, that's that's where we would have the podium. Yeah, and you'd look up, and there would be guys on the on the treadmill or on the bike, yeah. like just watching. Like Chris, yeah. I, I remember vividly right now in my mind, Chris Humphreys on a bike, what just looking down at a post game press conference from above. Uh, it's cool. bizarre. But anyway, I used to I used to like sit like wait on the practice court for like Corver to finish his ridiculous post practice workout because Kyle was a madman. But I'd be like, yeah, I need Kyle, and they'd be like, he's working out, and I just like hang out on the practice court and wait, but it was just so weird. Cause he's just upstairs. They have like, you know, some dumbbells and so, it's like an apartment complex gym. <laughs> Not like, anymore. F- fortunately, now, now it's they have now a ridiculous. Uh, I, they awesome used to have place. like yoga balls off to the side of the like practice court. I was like, what is this? You're a professional, uh, athletic franchise. You, you we need to do better. I will say this. Shouts now they're to doing Chelsea better. Lane. Uh, yes. who has revamped all of that stuff. Yeah. All right, Robbie, I have a couple more things to ask you about. Yeah, Before man. we get to that stuff, though, I have to talk to the good folks at 
Colm. We talk about physical fitness a lot on the podcast, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. I'm talking about the mental fitness that is required to play basketball. And Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the more valuable things you can do for your body and mind. And if you head to calm.com slash LockedOnNBA, you'll get a 40% off of a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes that LeBron loves, like rain on leaves and so much more like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron and using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. Unlock the content to help you focus, ease stress, and help sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, Robbie. I know you enjoyed that. Um, it was a great, great read. Shouts to shouts to Colm for sponsoring the podcast today. Um, close personal friend LeBron James. <laughs> yes, my my close personal friend. They got rocked tonight, by the way. Um, Boy, that was ugly. Kind of a surprising one on a Monday night, sure but was. alas. Um, okay, a couple more things, and I'll let yeah. you get out of here. Uh, this is a very obvious topic, but Trey Young's an all star, right? Yes, he's a starter. Stop this. He's going. Okay, here's there are two things here. I, number one, he is going to start. I am yes. very very confident about that because yes. Um, if you look at the formula, I said this before on the podcast, but if you finish and he might he might finish first, he probably will finish first. But if if, if he finishes top two in fan voting, he's going to start. He's just going to. So yeah, cross I mean, that off. And then by the way, separate separately, he deserves yeah. to be an all star. And this is not really a yes. debate that I'm even want to have. No, it's silly. I mean, like and. I mean, long-time listeners know that, like, I had my questions about Trey coming out of the draft. Um, I am far from a Trey Young stan, far from being a member of Trey Young Hive. But the dude's an all-star. He's been spectacular this year. Like, I mean, like, we can discuss the the questions about, like, where exactly his ceiling is um, and, like, you know, the things that there are still to improve on with his game, but, like, he's been unreal this year and he's doing it. And I, I know the questions are always like, you know, he's getting points and stats on a bad team. And it's like, well, yeah, but he makes that bad team much better when he's on the floor. I know this is a point that you've made a bunch. It's just like 7.9 points per home possessions better with Trey on the court. Than yeah. Off the court. I mean, like, and look like he, and you can see it. I mean, like, and it's one of those things where it's like, it's not like, we need to go real deep in the numbers. Like you watch a Hawks game and you can tell, like, okay, they're competitive when Trey Young's on the floor. When Trey Young leaves the floor, they suck, like really, really bad. There, there's that one, and the fact that this is this is the <laughs> like, there's like, one like for me. even even for even for you like the eye test people, like whether you like the analytics, like Trey will point you there. Whether you just want to watch Hawks games and go, yeah, that dude's really good. He should be an All Star. Like you can find it, however you want to look at it. He's also he's also top four in the league in scoring and, and assists. Yeah, that and and, and, and my whole deal and, is with that is I understand and I'm the first person to tell you that points per game is not the biggest end all be all thing, but Trey has done that on quality efficiency all season. Sure, and quality efficiency it is and really like hard to do that. Like really, really especially hard. when everybody's gonna when everybody knows you are the first and second option. Yeah, particularly in that stretch without Collins and without Herder. The fact mm-hmm. that he was able to maintain efficiency while scoring mm-hmm. at the rate that he has been no, it's super impressive. Is incredibly impressive, and I mean, 
we're on the same page here. I, we, mm-hmm. we don't have to keep doing this, but I wanted to at least, since you are uh, more focused on the national now, I think I was, yeah, was I mean, at least asking, but I feel like he's th- just definitely an all-star. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I mean, well, here's the thing is he's going he's gonna to lead fan voting. I'm going to guess he's going to be top two in player voting, um, which is 25%. Because like top through, uh, well, it depends on what players – players don't care about this. Which well, is no players don't secret. care about it, but like also players love Trey. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean – Like Trey is like – Trey, Kemba, and Kyrie are the only ones that have – and Kyrie is just such a and weird And Kyrie case. hasn't been playing. Well, that like players, players, like players will pay attention. Games. Well, players, that's fair. Players but like, things. I, I think it's more likely that Kyrie gets voted as weird as this is. Kyrie gets voted ahead of Kemba compared to Trey. That is probably the case. I, I do that's think – That's what I'm going to guess if we look at player – Player ballots, like if you're, um, I was, I was a little bit worried. I'll say this: I was a little bit worried about coaches with Trey because coaches are always like two years behind, and coaches always look at guys who are winning teams. But he's, yeah, gonna, but he's fortunately, not, he's gonna fortunately, start. he's going to start. He's so going to start. Gonna it won't matter. Also, Correct. like the east, the east guard situation is dire. By the way, he should. So just so there's no confusion, Trey should be an all star in my opinion, whether whether he starts or not. Yeah, yeah not no, I mean, like he's he's he should be full stop. And also, I the think, and are, I think the, the coach is so absurd. I mean, Lloyd said true. it now, by the way, and Lloyd's not like go out and campaign, like campaign no, for your guy, coach. Sure, and he was like Trey. I mean, Trey is an all star. What, what, what are we even talking about here? Yeah, and it's yeah. I just. Feel I mean, like my easy. my thing, my thing with him is like I, I think I don't think there's like a year behind thing with him with coaches. Like I think I think coaches would be like because they would know every time we play the Hawks. Like the only time they're competitive is when Trey's on the floor. Oh, I mean, you know, like they're I, I go to like those pregame press learn. conferences, and coaches are very willing to discuss Trey Young in a positive way. Yeah. Like, there's no, yeah, so like, they know, they know the questions coming. You know this. So you've been, you've been I enough of these. Know exactly everyone, how it goes. Everyone's gonna ask about Trey when they come to Atlanta. Yeah. And every coach, I think without exception, has had like you know maybe not a prepared thing, but certainly sure. has enough to say about Trey Young in a positive light. Like just talking yeah. about how great he is, basically. Well, so, I mean, because here's the thing: opposing coaches like to say nice things about the other team. Like, you know, and and so if you're looking for nice things to say about the Hawks, you're probably going to land on Trey nine yes. times out of ten. I would agree. So, that. like, I think that's why they're ready for that is like coaches, opposing coaches don't come in to be like, yeah, this team's garbage. We're going to stomp them. Like they come <laughs> in, like like coaches come in and they want to be like, yeah, you know, it's going to be a tough matchup. We got to do this. We got to do that. Like, because here's the thing. You don't want to undersell and then lose. What, what like, if a, what, what if a coach old, came in and said, "We're going to stop him tonight"? And was I would like, love it. And was I would, I mean, personally, I would love it. It'd be great as a, as a as a as a contentsman. Um, <laughs> it would be great if just there was a coach that was like, "This team's garbage." Maybe on Wednesday we're going to beat them by. Maybe we're going to beat them by, on Wednesday and be like, "Clippers we're by beat them by twenty-seven. I mean, they beat them. By I just like want somebody. That, time, I, yeah, so. give me a coach that calls his shot before the game. That'd be great. It'd be great on Wednesday if Doc if Doc Rivers was just, was just like, you know what? I've been great to the media my whole career, except for tonight. I'm just going to light the Hawks on fire in pregame. <laughs> Doc's always talking about how they moved his picture off the wall and something like that yeah. too, because he was he's from Atlanta, and that'd yeah. be funny. Um, that would be great. I will report back if that happens. But Doc, Doc's like, we're we're covering we're covering by ten. <laughs> it talks about point spreads too. Uh, no, I I'm, I feel like I had to ask you, but we're on yeah. the same page here with Trey. No, Trey's I mean it's great. it's ridiculous. Like, here's the thing: it's like basketball Twitter can't help itself, but like have a take on literally everything. Like somebody's got to have the like, is Trey really an all star take? And like, in the look. last in the last two days, I've seen. I'm not going to say names because I don't want to give them any attention. The last two uh, last two days, I've seen people that are prominent. 
say one of them wanted, like wanted to list like five people ahead of Trey, which I thought was hysterical, and the other one wanted to make the direct uh, argument about Derrick Rose versus Trey Young, and I, I wanted to throw myself off a building. It's like, what, oh, what, the Der- did you see? Doing? Did you see the Pistons? I, I did website see that. I did team see that. website. It was it was rough comparing comparing Derrick Rose to Magic Johnson in 1992. How he should get like a commissioner's exemption. I don't understand what the argument was supposed to be. I don't know. Like, Derrick Rose has a very nice season, but what are we doing? Derrick Rose also has some off court. Off court things, for sure. Stuff we won't talk about. Uh, But yeah, Derrick Rose is having a nice year. Sure. Uh, He's also. He's also averaging 26 minutes a game for a Pistons team that is 16 and 28. Yeah, here's the thing is like. Rose's Rose's splits like first half, second half are kind of what you would expect from a guy with his injury history. Um, he's he's been good now again for two years, and that, yeah. that, is, that is worth talking yeah. about. Uh, yeah. Derek Rose has played well now for almost yes. two seasons. And his That's first good. halves are really good, and then like if they let him rest and come back in the fourth, but the problem is they don't have a backcourt playmaker without him on the floor, and you can't play him more than twenty six minutes a game because he's Derek Rose and he's had eighty seven injuries. Yeah, just I mean, regardless, there there's just not anyway. It's not it's not an argument. Being, it's not even close to an argument. If we're being rational, you cannot come up with five guards in the Eastern Conference that are better than Trey Young this year. You just can't. No, do it. not a chance. So, uh, we'll just stop there. Yeah. Um. Last. Also, go ahead. Within that question, is Jimmy Butler a guard or a forward? I don't remember. I think he's a forward. If he's a forward, then you then you yeah. Yeah, no, he is because I, I was saying, I was talking about, about this with somebody offline the other day. Jimmy, I think, would have been the only the only guy in the East that could have beaten Trey in the fan voting, right? If, if he was a guard, and he's yeah, not, yeah, yeah, I think he's he's, think he's like he's fourth in fourth right. like in front court. Voting. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But I think he yeah, actually has him more votes than Trey, or about the same amount of votes as Trey. They're probably um, close. But, but yeah, yeah him being classified as forward means like. I mean, you could Ky- Kyrie, you could... Kyrie would have won the fan voting if he was healthy. I'm pretty sure about oh, that. Oh, for sure. Because he always does. And that's not like saying that he's better than like, all that stuff. I'm not a big right, Kyrie right, guy, right, right. but he usually wins the voting because he's just yeah. very popular. Also, also within all this, like if you were going to – if you want to talk about what like the deficiencies of Trey, like it's defense, it's like certain things there. Trey, if, if for nothing else, we're going to talk about like, okay – we're going to get Kyrie in because Kyrie's like made for all-star games. Oh. Trey Young is built for an all-star game. He, he's perhaps like, the best current player in the all-star. I mean, I know you, you need dunkers too, and he's not yeah, that, but like, but he um, is point guards are famously necessary. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going like to make Jason some wild did. passes. I'm going to set the over under on nutmeg attempts at two and a half for the all-star game for Trey. That's I want to go ahead and get that on record. He did two against the Raptors in that a is, <laughs> national basketball association, regular season game. That, that is an appropriate line. And uh Trey will two and throw a half. at least like five preposterous passes. He'll take some yeah. 35 footers. Mm-hmm. He's just going to be perfect. And it'll be fun. Yeah. It's like, he is, if you're talking about like guys you want in the game, like he's on the list. Trey is, I would say Trey is probably one of the five players you want to see in an all-star game most in the entire league. Yeah, I mean, I, can't I would really make that argue, argument. Because some, I would of, the make guys, that some argument. of the guys, and again, are... this is coming from me. The people Hawks fans hated for my Trey Young takes. Like, the dude is built for this. Like, He's specifically be... the All Star game. It's but... gonna be. It's gonna be very good. I think you'll be there. Um, I will not will be, be there, there, but yeah, I'll be. I'll be in the building. You'll be there. So Chicago uh, freezing. We'll have to talk about that after. Can't after wait. Happens. I will not be there, but alas. Oh, um, wow. Last thing before I let you get yeah. out of here. Um, 
all the trade stuff that's been happening, I have to ask you about mm-hmm. just to see where you are. If you were if you were Travis Schlenk, and obviously we we can't like pick and choose deals, but would you be in uh, kind of wait and see mode, or are you uh, trying? Are you feeling frisky because they obviously got Teague sort of fell in their lap, and it was like an auto yeah, deal that I you mean, just kind of had to do, but. Yes. Would you be trying to add right now, or would you just be cool with wait, wait till the summer? Uh, I mean, like I, I would kind of probably take the approach that they did with with Teague, which is you kind of take a look around the league, you look at you're 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 placing phone calls to see, okay, what are your needs? Like you're trying to figure out. So this is at this point what GMs are doing, and and I think this is probably how the the Jeff Teague deal came about. Is you're like okay, like where are you trying to get to? Like, is there something we can work together on? Like, what are you, you know, do you have a bigger thing coming down the line that you're trying to position yourself for money wise, roster wise, whatever it is. And I think the Hawks are in a position where, you know, the Drummond thing has fallen through. Like if there's not, unless we get word that like the day before the deadline, like miles Turner is available, like they should not be in, going after a big name right now. I don't think it's worth it given where this season has gotten to. I think you're in in a spot where you're trying to be basically a facilitator for other moves, whether that's being a third team, whether that's doing a Teague trade that likely precipitates another move for another team, trying to get better on the margins, trying to upgrade, maybe upgrade the roster floor right now, but continuing to kind of like, you know, hold on to assets that you like, maybe acquire a couple more seconds here and there. I, I don't, I would be shocked if they are super aggressive in making uh, a major move right now. I know we've heard, you know, the, the whispers that Trey wants help, that Trey wants this, but like, I think they showed, given the reports that we heard about the Drummond trade, where they just, wouldn't budge on a first round pick, which is smart given what they would have to give up and then have to pay Drummond in the summer. I think that Travis kind of with that has set kind of a line of like, we're not, we're not going to go chase anything. Like if we can get a guy who we think helps now and in the future for the price I have in mind and I won't go overstep that um that's the type of move i could see but i don't see that being out there for really anybody like the thunder are no longer the sell team no the, the asking price so Steven has adams to be is, a lot higher on adams than it was yeah earlier. so like they're no longer the sell team if you're not getting drummond i mean i i just i don't see where they really go because the other thing is you you don't want to go out and go get like a wing I honestly, and suddenly move Cam and DeAndre to like a different. No, they're not going to do. You that. know, they're not. I mean, so they're not going to do that. And it's got to be a center. No, so like, I, I, and if it's got to be a center, like you look around the league and you go, okay, well, how many guys are on that list? Right, and that's, and I, I can't come up with a list that's really long unless they're unless they're going to go bring Deadman home. You know, like yeah, that that one's out there, which actually is kind of interesting. If they want to do it, that's out there. And in terms of fit, we kind of know what Deadman looks like here. Like the yeah. problem with Deadman is we don't know if he just suddenly fell off a cliff because he was so bad sure. in yeah. limited time in Sacramento. But if you believe that he's just the same guy he was last year, that'd be a guy you would go get. 
Yeah. Um, Jakob Pearl got floated out there. I kind of like that one. But he's not going to like. I just don't know if the Spurs want to get rid of Pearl. That, that too. And he's, and honestly, neither Deadman nor Pearl is going to like move the needle. And that's. No. That's and the my thing, thing is, they're not. I think that not. they've. I think they've proven now. Um, Proven's probably a little bit too strong. I think they've yeah. they, they've indicated now with their play recently. Once once Collins and Herder came back, and I think particularly when Lynn is available again, yeah. if they have their if they have everybody available, they're not good, but they're not the team they were early in the season. Sure. They're just not that bad. So that takes away some of the urgency to be like, look, guys, we gotta we have to do something now to make make, make this not a disaster. Because right yeah. now they were terrible on Saturday against Detroit on the back to back. They had no energy. But aside from that, the last like. 10 games they've they've looked pretty competitive like this is not yeah. a bad bass this is not a terrible basketball team right now anymore it's just not like they were for the first 30 games part of that was suspensions and injuries and all that stuff yeah. but now they they do not feel like a team that has the record they have they feel like right. a team that it's like a 30 30 to 33 I mean, win they, team they feel like the team we thought they would be correct i mean and that's like, honestly what it came down to i mean if you told me this that this current product the last eight to ten games is what I expected all season long. Like not yeah. not a ton of wins, but enough wins to be okay and some promise and young guys playing and this is what it was supposed to be like. And if it had been that like this the whole time, I we think wouldn't have the conversation. Right, a lot of the consternation would not be there. It yeah. just wouldn't be. So yeah, I'm with you. So I, I I think unless somebody comes along that you obviously say like this this can be a core piece, and I I don't think there's many guys out there. That could possibly again, like the guy that I always think of, and like the Pacers have been playing too well to really entertain this right now. But like they have a decision to come with Sabonis and Turner, and like that's the guy that when I think about who fits what the Hawks need the most, that's kind of the guy. Yeah, Turner's been um, floating out there, but they're not going to do it in season. There's just no. No, way. they're not going to do it in season. So like, again, I think you hold out, and you're not going to make a move. Um that's really major that impacts you long-term unless you think it's a core piece. And those guys just don't exist on the trade market in the middle of the season for a team at the Hawks level. Um, Because especially when you don't have a veteran that's interesting to anybody, that's the biggest thing for me is they can't go get somebody. Like I I know people have been like, Oh, what if the Hawks win got, Montrez Harrell, which we've discussed, would be probably a disastrous combination with John Collins because Spider-Man meme. It would not be um, the greatest fit, I will say. Right. But even that, like, you go, like, who the hell on the Hawks would the Clippers want? The Clippers are trying to win a championship. Yeah, no. That and would... you're, you're, people are like, oh, the Hawks should go get Montrez Harrell. I'm like, for who? No, that for what? that is that is a sign and free agency move, not yeah, a trade. There's you no don't, you can't go. You can't go get somebody off of a contender because you have nobody a contender wants. That they were willing to trade. Obviously, a contender would like to have John Collins on their team, but it's not like well, you're trade John yes, Collins. that's what I mean. Like, so, you're, yeah, like I mean, there's two, okay, there's two guys, John and Trey, and well, uh, the and the, not o- the only the only veteran now Al- on your Al- roster Al- is, I mean, maybe Len would be a, be- a backup center upgrade for somebody sure. or, or Jeff or Jeff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's everybody else. You're not going to trade. Yeah. So. If and I guess maybe Jabari, if he was healthy, someone might be like, "All right, we need a ninth man that can score." That would have been that would have been the interesting one if Jabari had continued his healthier. early season his early season run and stayed healthy. I think I think he would be the guy that you could you could say, "Okay, like I could see the Lakers being like, all right, we can't get Iggy, we need a wing scorer guy.' And he's cheap enough where the salary and he's cheap enough where you can match something. And, you know, yeah. they could ship could have shipped Avery Bradley and something you know like i mean like you could have made that work so like 
him not being able to, to play right now, I think that that kind of hurt the one kind of vet guy that you talk about and you go, okay, like maybe this is somebody a contender. With he was sure. he was the only sell piece that mm-hmm. you had. Yep. Uh, again, I got maybe Alex Lynn, but I don't think I think I am higher I on I Alex Lynn than the rest of the uh, the NBA. Uh, but even then, like I, I do think that there's there are teams that are competing that Alex Lynn would actually help, but he's not going to be a priority guy for a team to go get. No, he's so, not moving the needle. Correct. So alas, um, I think we're on the same page there. It's I think yep. waiting is the move unless some deal falls in your lap like Jeff Teague did. That's still exactly. Possible. Um, and then maybe maybe that, maybe that happens to you, and maybe uh, you know the weirdest yeah, thing. Yeah, honestly, I think, the I think you're thing picking. Go ahead. No, I think you're just picking up the phone to be a third team type thing. Yeah, I think they, that, they at that point when somebody calls you, you go like, "All right, like let's let's talk turkey, man." Travis is um, going to talk to everybody, and he should between now every and GM month. does. That's that's, that's what the they thing. Do. Like this is this is everybody's on the phone all day, every day, all three of their phones blowing here, up. Here is a uh, I, know, I know you know this, but here is. I'm 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 gonna preview for Hawks fans. The Hawks has as a team with massive cap space, um, are gonna be linked to everyone. Mm-hmm. Even even mm-hmm. if they're actually not, every agent knows that the Hawks can do almost anything. So uh-huh. they're going to float the Hawks all the time between yep. now and the summer. Uh, and yep. I'm gonna, my job is hopefully is to keep my uh, to sift and, sift through it, keep the radar on lock of cor- what the Hawks correct. will actually do. Because there's gonna be some nonsense. Um, oh my goodness! In June and July, with regard to the Hawks, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Um, and some of it might be true, but it's just one of those things, man. Like the Hawks are the perfect team for every agent and every front office to leak as a potential a potential destination or a trade partner because they yeah. can just check every box. So yeah, it'll be it'll be fun and not so fun at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I, I, I like I like rumors. It'll be fun to talk about that stuff, but uh, keeping it all straight and figuring out what's real and what's not is going to be a, a chore. Love to have a mediocre draft and mediocre free agency class happen at the same time. Particularly when the Hawks have two <laughs> top 16, 17 picks and a 75, and seventy five million dollars in cap space. So it's gonna be bad timing. I, honestly, honestly, this is the time where Travis makes his money because this is the time where you nope. have to really yeah. not screw up. No, I, like, this I is totally the hardest, agree. This is the hardest situation. It's so much easier to have no money or to have money when there are tons of good guys available. It is really hard to have a lot of money and not have a lot of guys available and to have to be, this is why I said, like, I wouldn't be surprised they gave a lot of money on an annual basis to like a Jeff Teague, but it's a one, two year deal. You know, I think I could see them doing a deal like the Sixers did that first deal with JJ Reddick. Where you go, we need an adult in the room, a guy who fits what we need. We know we can't get anybody to really want to be here long term right now. But it can be a first step towards changing the perception of us in free agency. And it'll look like an overpay and everybody will go, what are you doing? What are you doing? But sometimes you got to do that. So I, I, Hawks fans probably need to be prepared for one of those weird one for 18 to 24 deals. You know who, you know who I want it to be? I bet, I bet, you, can, I bet you can guess this. Um, who, who, who would I want the Hawks to sign for one year and $20 million? Oh, God. I don't, Derek Favors? That would be good. Uh, how about Paul Millsap? <laughs> how, how about, how oh, about Paul Millsap? Okay, yeah. 
I I was I was like racking my brain of like who was coming. I, I have been I have been pro favors on this podcast. I, I will still be pro favors. I think. Uh, and this they, year, people Pelicans have been significantly better when he's on the floor. I was going to say when he was banged up early, people were like, "I thought you wanted favors, haha!" And I'm like, "Guys, he hasn't been healthy at all." <laughs> and now, now that he's playing, you can see that he's good at basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Millsap. If you're talking about particularly the one year, like, yeah, bringing it, bringing a vet into the room, uh, bring Paul, him home. Paul would be uh, a perfect candidate to do that. I don't I think don't Paul is Paul. the same guy anymore. He's just not the same sure. guy anymore. But he's still a very good basketball player. And also he would, wonder what the Paul relationship in, with Atlanta. Yeah, is. I don't. I don't know if he's thrilled given that didn't, they didn't, didn't go great. Um, but <laughs> I'm just. I'm just. You know, money talks though. And if Paul doesn't does. have a ton of money on the table, come home. He's familiar with Atlanta. Like it wouldn't be the worst thing. He'd, he he'd fit that, like one year. Um, so when you said the one year twenty million dollar like veteran contract, that's the guy that I went to in my head. So I don't know. It's, none of that's sourced, by the way. We're just we're throwing stuff around here. Realize. Um, okay, I think we, we probably covered enough ground. Rob, you've given me enough time here. Anything that you wanted to share that you have going? I know, I believe Bill D talked to Lloyd Pierce, which I, I did retweet that, but Lloyd talked to Dime for an interview that should be uh, read, and Lloyd's very good at that kind of stuff. Anything else you yeah. got going that you want to share? Uh, no, I mean, uh, I talked to, we did, yeah, we did a couple MLK Day things. We talked to Lloyd about his work with the Georgia Innocence Project. I talked with Solomon Hill uh, by a screening he did with mentor mentee pairs in Memphis of uh, just mercy and just kind of um, talking to these guys about kind of their using their platform and, and uh, especially with both of them talking about criminal justice reform and that sort of thing. It's a, it's a very big uh, issue currently and, and, and an important one. And obviously uh, around MLK day is, is an especially uh, prudent topic to talk about. Um yeah, I mean, dime. Uh, we're in, you know, trade season and, and all star season. We'll be rock and rolling on on the content, and uh, punt cast will be happening <laughs> sometimes. Like if you if you subscribe, sometimes props, an episode will just pop props up. Props preview for the Super Bowl. Something something props, weird. Props, on props preview will happen. I gotta get the full sheet. Props preview will happen. Uh, I'll have to get that recorded before I head down to the waste management. Oh, in a God. week and a half, you'll, you'll, oh. never, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never get out alive. Dialed it, dialed in on Saturday. I got tea time for Friday, tickets for Saturday. Sounds ready like to you. escape the cold. Sounds get down like to Phoenix. Fired up for that, but yeah, uh, that's you know, that's people know where to find me on on the internet. I'm around. Uh, a pleasure as always. Uh, hopefully, the Hawks are are starting to find a little groove, get some healthy uh, healthy guys in in uh, in concert with each other because. I know it's been rough, but like we talked about at the beginning of the season, second half is is when the schedule is most gettable. Uh, and I think there will be some some optimism afoot for Hawks fans. I know that's not always the case when when you and I link up on the podcast, but uh, yeah, man. Thank you, sir, for joining yeah. me. Always as as always, um, I said this on the last podcast. I am not going to be at the game on Wednesday, so that'll be the next time you hear from me on the podcast. I, w- I will be talking about the, about the game, but I will not be in attendance. I have to travel this weekend, so uh, I've sent Zach Hood in my place to the game on Wednesday against the Clippers. But subscribe, tell a friend, check out Robbie's stuff, check out my stuff if you'd like to, and we'll see everybody after the game on Wednesday. <laughs>